days. I'm not going to lie to anybody. No, I almost fun. didn't wash it today because it was looking really curled. I was like, oh, and then I'm like, oh, no, it's day five. I <laughs> Oh, yeah. I need to bathe and wash my hair. Yes. I mean, I bathed, but. Well, I bathe. Or every day. Wash it. <clears throat> oh. Okay. Are we ready? I'm ready. ready. Ready? Are you Let's sure? Let's do it. Yep. All right. Let's Welcome. Hi. Happy New Year. Happy everybody. New Year. Everybody. Oh, yeah. Yay. Happy New Year. And belated Christmas. Yes. Yes. And belated Kwanzaa and very belated Hanukkah. Hanukkah. What's up, Dad? Oh, that was nice of you. Thank you. So I am. in my presents. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Eight of them. <laughs> Sorry. All eight of them? Eight crazy <laughs> nights. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> We are here for the very first podcast of 2022. What? I know. It's so exciting. How is that even possible? I am Carrie, one of the members of the Women in Brewing team, and we have Aaron. Hi. And Amanda, also members. What's up? Yes. What's up? Hi. We're vacationing currently, so we're we all are. feeling We are. And I went spry. to New England, so I'm trying not to talk real fast. That's right. That's oh. right. We're still on vacation mode. Woo-woo! Probably, but not when this is released. No. We'll be back, but that's, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So It's all good. That's fine. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. So Welcome. what are we doing we're, today? We're excited for this one. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Start the year off right. Um, we realized that, not realized, it was on purpose, but while we have, um, we being Amanda and I and the other women on our team have given our stories, um, kind of our history and stuff. Aaron has not. Um, so we're here today to get Aaron's story and um, kind of learn what's made her who she is today. And Uh-oh. I know. <laughs> I know. So we're very excited. We're very excited about it. Well, that's good because I don't think so we I've said, ever shared it. We but. said Aaron's kind of like a guest, but yes. it's um, her own house, you know? Exactly. But so a guest in your own home. I also needed to text Ben to bring me something but that's not important right now oh, so no. here we are so we, what are we doing well we have to do it because when you have a guest at your home you have to ask them <laughs> very <laughs> weird questions immediately when immediately. they walk through the yep. door and did you have to think of lots because you already know all the weird stuff about me no I, okay. I get some of them from what we call the google machine <laughs> because it makes my life a little bit easier yeah plus you know it's fun <clears throat> what okay Today's Spitfire questions are sponsored by New England. Oh, Lord. The whole place? The whole place, especially (laughs) Poland Spring Water. If you've never had it, you're not doing yourself any favors, as well as Ice Duncan Coffee. (laughs) Ben is a dick. And Ben is a dick. (laughs) There we go. That was amazing. And I'm so glad the whole region of New England is sponsoring our show. Well, I knew that if anyone (laughs) would care about that, it would be Aaron Cox. Right. I did check the um, bottling. It is actually bottled from the Poland Spring. Oh, my God. Again. It's real. It's real and life changing. I know people say it tastes like water. It doesn't. It does. But it's better. There's Mm. snow in New England. Born in Maine. 1845, baby. Hmm. Okay. It's a spring. How's it? Here is your first question that I wasn't going to do because I did it before, but I loved it. Okay. If you were a potato, which way (laughs) would you like to be cooked? (laughs) (laughs) If I was a potato, I'd be twice baked, baby. (laughs) Oh. That's what you choose? What else do you put on 
Yeah, what do you put on a twice baked? I don't even know that. that you, so you like, bake the potato and then you scoop out the middle uh-huh. and you mix in sour cream and, and chive and, oh, like and then cheese okay. and, and bacon. Then and then you put it back in the potato shell and you bake it again. Oh. Twice baked, baby. Okay. I take it back. That sounds legitimate. That sounds good. <laughs> What's the most embarrassing thing you've done in a while? Jesus. I actually know <laughs> the answer to this, but go ahead. <laughs> I ripped my pants at school. <laughs> so thank God it was before everybody else got there. And I, I had to get to the school early bird. at 530 in the morning. I do not get, I get there. At, school starts at 810. I get there at 645. So um, and I did not have my car. So the boy had dropped me off and I um, went to the bathroom because I have a bathroom in my trailer and I pulled my pants back up and then I dropped something and I bent over to pick it up and and what's hilarious is it's not like they were too tight on me. It's right. not, they were actually too big on me and that kind of stuff. I guess I just worn them so much. You know how sometimes wear and tear. Because mm-hmm. I have had them for a while. So I was like, oh. and you hear it. You're like, Ur. I'm like, oh shit. And then I'm like, so I go and put my hand on my butt. I'm like, where is it big? Is it like, can right. I get away with, you know, what do I need to do? And I'm like, oh shit. No, it's big. So I have to call and I'm like, oh, God love him. Bring me a pair of my khaki pants. Which ones? Of course, as a teacher, we right. own about five pairs of khaki pants because we're all dorks like that. But anyway, so literally he brought all five. Aww. So, but I have them. That and, was safe. But for bus duty, because I still have bus duty, and you know I am a rule follower, so I had to do bus duty. I luckily had a coat wrapped around my waist, and if one more kid, why is your coat around your waist? It's cold. <laughs> Shut up. Y'all don't pay any attention to me any other time in the morning. So that's the most embarrassing thing recently to me. I knew that. That's why I said it. It's a great one. For Christmas. It's a, it's a kind of a Christmas question, but not. What's <laughs> the strangest gift you've ever received? Mm. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. People usually give me really practical gifts. Um, and so, it, you know, it would probably be something the student gave me, but they gave it to me, so I don't want right. to, you know, okay, they, that's they went out of their way to give it to right. me. So I I don't really know. A lot of people don't give me, like, people give me pretty practical gifts, like books and things I like. I also saw this because on the internet, some teacher said that some parent gave them a Victoria's Secret gift card. That's fantastic. And I've gotten like, one from a parent before. That's awesome. Oh, my. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> But I mean, they were thinking about I you. I loved her. Yes. They were thinking about oh, you. Oh, they were thinking about you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I don't really know. Okay. Which of Snow White's seven dwarfs describes you the best? Dopey. Okay. Dopey. I'm extremely de- Like, people don't know that about me, and that's part of when we talk about when I was little. I was very dopey. You, I mean, you ripped your pants like two weeks ago. It's pretty dopey. Whatever. <laughs> we're sleepy because I really like to sleep, but we'll go with dopey. What song <clears throat> describes your life right now? Meow. Um, uh, what did I hear on the way over that made me really happy? Um, hold on, I gotta look at my playlist. Okay. Um, oh, Lord. I have one other question. It's the oh, best great. Time. I, have two I do like that song. I do like that song, but I'm on my favorite. Uh, mm, mm, mm. While she's thinking, you know, I've been listening to Christmas music for like six weeks. I'm kind of glad to be done with it. Yeah, I am a little. So, Immortals. There you go. Can you sing it, please, for those of us that don't know what that is? I can play it for you. I was going to say. Fall Out Boy, Immortals. Okay. From Big Hero 6. Big Hero 6 is one of my all-time favorites. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a good one. It is a good one. If money was no object, where would you travel to? 
Ooh, everywhere and anywhere. Um, <laughs> Germany. Germany would be our mm-hmm. first, and then, and then Greece. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Complete the sentence. Oh no. I wish everyone could be kind. I'm sorry. Okay. I like be that. Be kind. If you had a superpower, what would it be? And then I have one more. Ooh, if I had a superpower, I would be patient because I don't have any of that. So being patient would be my superpower to be able to wait and know that things are running the course they're supposed to run and I don't have to force it. Okay. Since this is kind of relevant to your life in the next few years. <laughs> Where would you like to retire? Ooh. So we, we, we are going to travel when we retire. We're going to go everywhere that we can. Um, but uh, Ireland. Oh. On the coast. Yep. I picked it out already when I went to Ireland two years ago. I found the house. I sent Brian a picture. I said, work on this and buy it for me. It's in the middle of nowhere. Perfect. <laughs> With rolling greenhouse. Beautiful. Beautiful. Stone, everything. I think that's it. We could put a brewery in the back. I make my own beer. Take my books. I'll be good. Great. <laughs> well, that's this, it. That's this, all you got. That's yeah, it. I thought that was yeah, that was a lot. You want another? <laughs> no, I was just curious. Because <clears throat> yeah, because really we're excited. tired. Well, I'm always excited. <laughs> Again, today's <laughs> Spitfire. We're <laughs> sponsored by New the England. whole area of New England, <laughs> especially Poland Spring water. Please think about drinking it. And ice Dunkin' coffee. Was I in the snow? Did I drink an iced coffee in the snow the other day? You betcha. Yes. yes. Betcha. Thanks, New England. Thanks, New England. That's my time. It's <laughs> my time. She's though. done. Oh, my goodness. I love it. All right. Well, Aaron, you've talked a lot about your family and, you know, kind of growing up. But start from the beginning. Like, uh, you know. The beginning. The beginning. Back Where, in the day. Yeah. You have lots of brothers and sisters. I do. I am one of nine children. I fall sixth in line. Um, I'm older than people think I am, but... Uh, <laughs> we know. age so well. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have two older sisters, two younger sisters, three older brothers, and then I also have a sister who passed away when I was three. So I was born... <coughs> excuse me. I was born in Walter Reed, right outside of D- in D.C., I grew up in Rockville, Maryland, right outside of D.C. Um, my dad is a retired colonel, and he was also a pediatrician and a general surgeon. And then my mom was a registered nurse. So clearly some high expectations right there mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. in the medical field. Um, so, you know, growing up, I like I said, I was sixth out of nine. Um, when I was three, when I was two, my sister Molly was born, Mary Margaret, and she was born with Down syndrome. And she had a hole in her heart. And this was the mid-70s. So the technology and the advancements as to help her were not as yeah. as readily available as they are now. So a year later, she um, passed away in her sleep. And so at the time, my mom was also pregnant with my youngest sister, Megan. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Molly was born in October and passed away the follow- a year later in November. And then Megan was born in January. Oh. And my mom had a broken heart. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So talk about Superwoman. Um, yeah. Growing up with Superwoman. But um, so, you know, things kind of changed for me when my sister passed away and my other sister was born because obviously a mother grieving is dealing with things a lot differently than. So I was a daddy's girl. My my dad kind of mm-hmm. um, for just, you know, whatever reasons, that's who I gravitated to. 
And then I have a younger sister too, who um, was born two years later. So after that, so in total eight surviving yeah. um, that, you know, we were raised and everything. So very Irish Catholic. My mom was very much the kind of Irish Catholic and she was one of a large family as, to, as well. She was the oldest of a large family. My dad was just him and his sister. Um, and so growing up, we, you know, church every Sunday, the troops all got together and we, you know, um, we all went to parochial school our whole lives. I had never stepped into a public school until I went to teach. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, or college, you know, right. I mean, but, but I had never been in one before. And so that was a whole experience as well. Did you go through to the same school, like K through 12 or did you go K through eight and then do a Yeah. Through t- eight and then a high, high school. school. Cause actually in high school I transferred schools and that kind of stuff. But, um, so yeah, growing up we followed, you know, I mean, you, you know, in second grade you did your first confession and you did your first communion and, you know, you had all the nuns teaching you and there were rules and there was, so a lot of kind of, um, as I got older, realized that those rules were not necessary. They were rules of the church. They weren't rules I had to follow. They were rules I could choose. Right. Um, kind of thing. But of course, when you're eight and nine, you follow the rules because if mm-hmm. not, there's a consequence. Um, and my parents were very big on that. And I don't mean it in a negative way. It was if you messed up, there was a consequence. Mm-hmm. You know, if you lied, if you did something stupid, there was a consequence. Um I was very much just kind of a free kid. Like, I loved running around outside. Playing outside was my favorite place to be. I didn't like being inside. And I had, like, we had, we grew up in the neighborhood where the family across the street had eight kids, too. So between the 16 of us, we were always running around doing something. We were the neighborhood that, you know, you kind of see in those pictures of the late 70s, early 80s of the dad standing on the end of the stoop drinking beer the moms are sitting in the chairs and the kids are all running around crazy like that is literally uh the majority of my childhood um my younger childhood so I was really free and just didn't you know and that's where kind of dopey my mom used to call me dingy because I would like I just asked the most because I didn't care I was like wait what why is that happening you know and she's like what what are you not paying attention to um so for the longest time she used to call me her little dingbat um just because I'd be like what what are you making what are you doing because uh, I didn't care, which was great. You know, I mean, I would love to, you know, for adults, you love to get that free kind of spirit mm-hmm. back. Um, and so that, you know, that was life growing up for the most part. Um, and then, uh, you know, like I said, I went to a pretty strict Catholic school. And, you know, anytime you messed up, they called the teachers or the teachers called home and that kind of stuff. And you didn't, you're like, oh, great. You know, come on. I'm right. a kid. Leave me alone. <laughs> I didn't mess up that much because I was a big rule follower. Um and luckily for me, one of my older siblings was not. So I kind of had that buffer. I was going to say, being sixth in line, were there expectations from the teachers from your other brothers and sisters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were. And every single one of my brothers and sisters has their own unique, different, you know, personality. But, you know, it was, okay, you're part of this family, so we know. And really, right. in our parochial school, too, that's everybody was part of a big family. Yes. So the families all knew each other. Mm-hmm. Like, um, oddly enough, my, si- my one of my older sisters married a guy she has known since the first grade because the families have not. I mean, right. it wasn't yeah. like that. It, they didn't meet. They met later as adults <clears throat> yeah. again and everything. But I mean, so, That's yeah, it, it was. Yeah. Everybody families knew each other. And that was back in the day where the neighbor mom could yell at you and you mm-hmm. did what she said. Yeah. You didn't sit there and go, whatever. You know, you, my right. mom didn't get. You're not my mom. No. I mean, you, you got in trouble with the neighbor's mom and then you had to go home. And got my mom was like, mom. oh, I heard. And I'm like, oh, yeah. my God. Mm-hmm. so, you know, because, you know, when we started cussing, mm. Catholics don't cuss. So, <laughs> yeah. No. So it was a pretty, you know, simple kind of childhood until about fourth grade 
Um, and then in, in the middle of fourth grade, towards the end of fourth grade and through my fifth grade year, which is probably why I gravitated towards teaching fifth grade, um, someone I was really close to started molesting me. And so that became uh, a, like a, a huge fear because I never knew when I'd be alone with that person. I never knew if something would happen when I was alone with that person. And so it, it kind of a lot of trust, a lot of I got quiet. Um, and so for people who paid attention, which, and I'm not knocking my teachers, I love them, but, you know, we notice this change in kids' personalities. Right. Um, nobody seemed to notice or say anything. But again, this was also a time when people didn't talk about things like that. Mm-hmm. You didn't talk what happened in someone's home or in it's someone's taboo. family. It was none of your business. Um, you know, and I remember that as a kid, too, with my mom, just constantly we would fight about you know, if we were fighting in the house and there were guests over, you don't do that. I'm like, why? Like, who cares? Like, this is life. Um, and so that's something I've kind of always taken with me, even into adulthood, which people, you know, either love it or hate it. But I, I always stay very true and honest to what is happening because that fake life for me was very hard. Um, and it was, I had to live a fake life. And then, you know, as, as the person left and I didn't have to worry about it anymore, um, it still was a part of me. And so that fake that it wasn't something you talked about or something you could even confide in anybody to, which I didn't until um, later in high school with one of my friends. So it had a huge impact on, you know, how I did things and, and who I was. And um, one of the biggest things was probably my temper, um, temper and, and trust issues. Because, of course, you know, you're mad, mm-hmm. you're angry. Somebody who you trusted and loved did something. And so you don't know where to put that anger. And so I did. I had a lot of temper, which was not good with my mom. My mom and I unfortunately fell out and did not have because that's who I took my anger out on. Um, My dad traveled a lot growing up because of his job. So he got to see the world and he brought us back great presents and it was amazing. But she was the one at home. And so she was was the one who got the brunt of my anger kind of thing. So you know, that, that obviously shaped me a lot growing up. But it also was one of those things, too, that as much as I was angry and I had a, I kept living my life. I kept doing the things, you know, I kept being a kid. I kept going to school. I kept doing things, you know. But there are things now that I look back on that I noticed were probably signs that maybe if people had, yeah, again, maybe if it was something that was spoken about a little more, mm-hmm. maybe there could have been, you know, some help or something. But you know, but it makes me more cognizant now when I watch children to look for those things yeah. and, and try and talk to them. Yeah. So, so, you know, the, the good out of it came that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's one of those things that now for the first time, um, I mean, I know I told care, I told you about it a couple years ago mm-hmm. and Amanda and I've spoken about it, but this is probably the first time I've really talked about it without having emotion. Yeah. So I've learned to detach myself from it. It was something that happened to me and it was something that helped create who I am. So, you know, you take the good with the bad. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't destroy me as it could have. Now, there were times that it did, um, you know, yeah. growing up. Obviously, as I got older, my, um, you know, as I got into high school and things like that, uh, my vision of sex was that it was just whatever. You do it with whoever, whenever you want. Who cares? Um, which is not very Catholic. <laughs> no no it is not. which is not very catholic um so you know and, and pushing people away who are trying to get close to me um especially men you mm-hmm. know boy i should say boys they weren't men yet um kind of thing and and using that and then again um 
like my anger, the, the good thing was soccer was a really good release for my anger because I could get out on the field and run, mm. push people around, you know. So, right. so I loved playing soccer or coaching or doing whatever when it came to soccer because it gave me a release and kind of a way to escape. And that's probably when I fell in love with reading too because it was an easy way to escape mm-hmm. your own mind yeah. um, kind of thing. So did but. your – well, we can get to that after. Have, okay. Did you ever talk to your mom about that or no? Not I, yes and no. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those that it wasn't again because our relationship wasn't as strong as it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not received well. It was kind of more of an attention seeking. So which, mm-hmm. which, in her defense, I did a lot of things for attention. But they, you know, as you look back now, they were cries for help. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but I did do a lot of stupid <laughs> other things. You know, for attention. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know. Um, I, you know, physically fight with my sisters, um, you know, take money from my mom, steal from my mom and dad, you know, I mean, things that kids do, but so again, it was, you know, and it was so taboo to talk about. It wasn't even, and my mom did the best she could with everything she was given, but even like simple things like how to put in a tampon, my sister taught me how to do that. Right. You know, because that just wasn't the world she grew up in. Right. Um, and everything was very medical. Because both my parents had a strong medical background. Mm-hmm. So everything was very medical. Because, so, again, actually one of my embarrassing stories of being five. And this poor teacher, God love her. So when I was five, I was playing on the monkey bars. And I slipped. And I fell. Mm-hmm. Right between the long way. Not the pole up, but right. the long way of the pole. Whoosh, slipped. Blood everywhere. Yeah. And so the teacher's like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Because I slipped right between my legs. <laughs> And so, you know, she had to call my mom and my mom and dad had to come. And luckily, my dad was a pediatrician. And essentially, I I broke my hymen. Right. So, you know, of course, later on through life, as people are like, have you ever broken anything? I'm like, my hymen. My mom's like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what it was, obviously, until I got older. But it was very medical. It wasn't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) My hymen. (laughs) So, again, why my mom called me a dingbat. Like, her assumption was I should know that that wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> Something you should probably say. But if people ask, whatever. Right. I broke my heaven. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, so with that, again, that wasn't a conversation either. That right. was, it was just like, oh, you're okay. It's going to be sore for a little bit, but, you know, right. blah, 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 you're fine. So you're kind of like, okay. But nobody told me what a hymen was. Nobody, you know. Mm-hmm. So in second grade, I had to read it because you go to church and you have to read passages. Oh, I know. So I had to read one about circumcision. Okay, first off, an eight-year-old trying to say the word circumcision is hard, okay? And then I had poor nun who you were supposed to pick out words in the passage that you didn't know what they meant. So, of course, what did I pick? Circumcision. Which, again, from the medical perspective, my mom was fine explaining to me what a circumcision was. Right. Um, and then you picked your words and you explained them in class. Why? Why the nun did not stop me when I picked that word? Why she wasn't just like, no, 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 we're not doing that one. She did, I guess, because maybe there weren't that many hard words in the, I don't know. Anyway, so of course, again, me and my dinghy phase, I, um, you know, couldn't remember the appropriate terminology that my mother taught me. So I said it's when they cut off a boy's dingling, <laughs> which of course is not, <laughs> not what it is at all. Went home, told my mom, she's like, how did it go? And she's like, oh my God, Erin, that is not what I told That's you. Not and it. I'm like, I couldn't remember the words like they were big. I couldn't right. remember the big words you told me. And she's like, oh, my God, they're going to think like. And I'm, so, yeah, it was very. Yeah. 
I got lots of them. Sounds like that. Those poor nun, nuns. D- no, no, no. It sounds like she did not read the passage <laughs> before she was right. like, let's assign some passages, yeah. which sounds like. <laughs> uh, she yeah. just pulled that one out, the hood so, yeah. of Flynn. And- yeah, exactly. so I got lots of stories like that, the poor nuns in my school. Um, especially in like first, second, and third grade. God love them. Um, so, yeah, that was you know, life at, in yeah. parochial school and that kind of thing. And then, you know, as you get older, that. The parochial school is the same 50 kids. You literally are going right. to school with the same 50 kids. So for eight years, you are hearing and seeing the same. So then when I finally got to go to high school, I went to an all-girls school. And there were two really decent, or three or four. I grew up in Rockville, Maryland. So there's private schools on every corner. Um, and so, you know, there were several that girls went to. And the one I went to, only like two or three from my class came to as well. And it was really small and had a 50 kids in each class, 50 like total in freshmen. The whole, mm-hmm. yeah. the whole school had 200 girls. Um, and it was closer to downtown D.C. And so, you know, I used to have to ride the public transport, the bus. Wow. Love uh-huh. good yeah, public we'd ride, transport. Yeah, we'd ride the metro bus and that kind of stuff. So, you know, all experiences like that. And then um, that school closed because it was the late 80s and inflation and everything and so the uh, boys school that my brothers all went to announced it was going co-ed because again they needed more students and they needed so with that several of the smaller all-girls schools had to close and of course that's where I was going because that's where my brothers were right yeah yeah so so you know for a year I was kind of away from different friends which was neat because I got to meet a lot of different people and um that kind of thing and then I had to go back because they were all like we all kind of merged back again so and the school that we went to for high school, that's where most of the boys went anyways from where I was growing up. So, but it was neat because you, you had a year off from them and then you came back and they were kind of looking at you like, oh, you know, because now we're 15. Now we're, right. And so we're looking at, you know, ooh, hey, Erin looks different now. Yeah. She doesn't look as, because um, I've always been, yeah, super self-conscious. I um have large boobs. I mean, I just do. And I always have. Right. Like I, I, I shouldn't say I always have. I woke up one morning and was like, what the hell? Um, (laughs) There they were. So I have a follow-up question to that as someone who has no boobs. Um, (laughs) Did you have a uniform where you had to wear a white top? Oh. Yep. And you woke up one day and had boobs. (laughs) Yeah. And my I just hate yeah. to interject here, but my mom goes, we have to get you a bra right now. <laughs> right. So, yes. Right. Now. And then wearing yeah. bras and going through all of that and that In kind of thing. white see-through yeah. shirts. Because I was a huge yeah. tomboy. And so, right. you know, for sports and everything, you, you had different bras that you wore and that kind of stuff. And so, obviously, they're noticeable. And you're, you're talking about prepubescent teenage boys. Mm-hmm. Duh. <laughs> That's what they notice. So, you know, all of a sudden, I became, you know, ooh, ooh. ooh. And I'm like, okay. So, um. You know, it was one of those, like I said earlier, I I didn't view sex the way, you know, that, oh, my God, if I do this, this is, you know, he's got to be the love of my life. I didn't care. Um, right. So, yeah, there were some boys, unfortunately, who came across my path, and they, they were smitten, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> I was not. <laughs> not as smitten. But, you know, um, and at the time, it would have been nice to – to kind of have been told, hey, this isn't what you should be doing right now. Yeah. This is not healthy. This is not good for you. But do you, whatever. Do you think your older sisters, or were they out of the house by that point and not? So, yes. My two older sisters were both out they of were the gone. house by now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so they might my one not brother even... was a senior with me. And so, you know, um, yeah. So they were both out of the house. Yeah. And, I mean, they both would have talked to me if I 
had the chance to, right. but, and again, it was, you didn't announce that that's what you're doing. Like you didn't go well, home yeah. and yeah. say, <laughs> but I'm just thinking, you know, if they were in the house, maybe they would have yeah. noticed her at, what about uh, your, at school with you. Right. What about your, any of your friends? Yeah. Or? So my friends did. I mean, my friends obviously noticed and they were kind of like, Hey, cut it out, you know, da, da, da. So, I mean, and it wasn't something that I always went all the way. Like I didn't always have sex with them. I just, right. you know, and they're like, Aaron, you know, and so then I'd lay low for a little bit, but then part of me would get mad because I was not being who I was. So again, that whole fake, mm-hmm. you know, versus, but I, I don't see it as a big deal. I get you or all do. You. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it, that's not who I am. That, okay, that's fine that you guys all are. I'm not. And the boys aren't. So what, you know, the boys literally yeah, are having course. a contest. Right. Mm-hmm. Seriously, every Catholic school boy oh. has this contest as oh, a senior. I'm oh. sure every boy boy right. does. points. I don't everything. want to think about it. But I mean, I'm I don't sure know they if they do. do anymore, but you know, yeah, they did when I was in school. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I guess I was kind of like, okay, well, why can't I be in? <laughs> <laughs> Can I get? In I love a good competition. competition. Love a good challenge. Um, so you know those kind of things. Um, but then again, so yeah, I keep it very private, and a lot of the the boys I was with weren't the ones who went talking. You know, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't go around and say that they had been with me or anything like that. So I could put on this persona that made it look like I wasn't doing that. That you were still the good Good, Catholic girl. Good little Catholic girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and that's kind of how I went through high school. And I had three very close friends who I I loved um, and I'm still in touch with them um, who, you know, they went they were going through their own stuff, too. And they came from big families and they came from um, the other thing is growing up in the parochial schools we were at. There was nothing but money. And I wasn't a family that had a ton of money. I mean, obviously we had some because there were eight of us. So there's no way my parents were, they weren't. Right. But in our parochial school, you either had the families like mine who were huge with eight and nine kids. And so, you know, or it was two and three. And those kids were driving Beamers and yeah, yeah. Jeeps and everything. And they thought they owned the planet. And you're like, oh, okay. So did your mom work not I, mean, I know you said she was a, a yeah nurse, she was a registered right? nurse so she went back she stayed at home with us because she shuttled us around everywhere because sure. that was the other thing as a kid I did soccer I did basketball I swam I did ballet I did piano and we all took a language so wow yeah it was it was I'm going to keep these eight children busy or at least mm-hmm. the six of us I mean my younger sisters did stuff too not quite as much but um it was I'm going to keep them busy to keep them out of trouble right mm-hmm. so well, um which we did you know it was fine I don't yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And I don't have a problem with that. Like, I, that was great. Um, so there were lots of carpools, you know, yeah, going around and that of kind of stuff. So, yeah, my junior year of high school, she went back to work as a nurse um, because everybody was pretty much out of the house. Right. And so she worked nights as a nurse, you know, which was probably not great because that gave me more of a chance to get into trouble mm-hmm. because she wasn't at home. And God love my dad, but he was exhausted. He was sleeping. Right. So he, I mean, he'd know when I got home, but mm-hmm. he didn't really know what was happening. And, of course, that's when you did the old, I'm sleeping over at so-and-so's house. I'm yeah. sleeping over at so-and-so's house. And, Kenny. you know, yeah. yeah. So, Kenny. and that would be to, you know, junior and senior year. Actually, probably my sophomore year, too, because of my older brother. But alcohol became an, another thing that was an easy way to kind of forget. Dull your brain. Who, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, and again, it was something that I just kind of put in the back of my head. Like, I wouldn't address it. I wouldn't. It was never anything I brought up. But it was never anything. Um, one of the good things though about private school parochial school is you go on retreats mm-hmm. and so you go on like in your junior year we went on a three-day retreat to the middle of nowhere maryland in this farmhouse and it's gorgeous and and it it basically is that time to think and reflect on who is it you want to be where do you want to go and those kind of things so it was at that time where those 
I was then forced to start thinking. And right. so that's when I told um, my really good friend Monica about it. And, you know, she was livid and, you know, wanted to conquer the world with me. God love her. But she also got that there wasn't a whole lot mm-hmm. we could do. And so just being able to tell her, though, made things a little easier, you know, and, and helped because she then understood, you know, certain behaviors and things like that. And so, you know, that kind of carried on. And senior year we went and did and, I, you know, I applied for school. I mean, I was a good student. I got A's and B's. I could have gotten straight A's, but that's a lot of work. Nobody wants to do that when you can go out partying and <laughs> meet boys and play soccer. And, and still make A's and B's. And still make A's and B's. Um, just by, you know, hey. And again, yeah. part of the making A's and B's was the, the family I had to. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the expectation of the teachers. Because, mm-hmm. again, they had had my brothers. So, of course, you know. Right. Um, and, again, soccer was a great outlet. I loved playing on my high school team. My high school coach is literally the same coach there now. Wow. Yes. And uh, he was just a really crazy. good. I know. He was a really good positive influence and helped me with leadership, which was a good thing. Um, you know, kind of helping me guide my temper into more of a leadership role and using that and that kind of thing so um so that helped too mm-hmm. um but and then I coach too because we had to do service hours so what's the easiest way to do service hours go coach a team heck yeah yeah right. so basketball and, and soccer I'd coach and that kind of thing so you know life rolled yeah. around and it was time to go away to college I could not wait I mean I had my applications in way before I needed to. <laughs> um University of South Carolina was one of my choices and then Delaware, and then a couple in Philly, and that kind of thing. And ultimately, I got into all of them, but I chose Delaware just because I loved the campus. Um, and it was close enough to still be with my friends who were going to a lot of local kind of Maryland schools, but far enough away that nobody was coming to see me, <laughs> kind of thing, unannounced. So, yeah, I went to Delaware. I was 17 when I went to Delaware. I didn't turn 18 until the first yeah, day of classes. You're young. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have an August birthday. August so. 31st. That's right. First day of classes, so, I turned 18. I'm curious, the fact that you went to parochial schools, what made you decide on teaching? Just so, because that doesn't seem, you know, yeah. not that they're bad teachers, but no. it's not the same kind of teaching I would imagine. So, yeah, and that was that not my first. So when I went to Delaware, my degrees, my first degrees are in U.S. history and political science. It took me three and a half years. I got both. Bam, I was going to law school. Nope, nope. not going to law school. Don't want to study for the LSAT. Don't want to do all that work. <laughs> not happening. Um, and, and college was a lot like high school. Do you think you school. knew that ahead of, do you think you knew that in the back of your mind mm-hmm. the whole time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, this is, I needed to get out of my house, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, is really what college was for me. I needed to get, I was always very independent anyways. So getting out, I mean, by the time I went to college, money saved between working, babysitting and everything else, I had about $10,000 in my bank account. I mean, and this is 1991. That's impressive as hell. So, yeah, I had close to 10,000 in my bank account. So I I was ready to just go be Mm -hmm. and be alone. Um, But unfortunately, I did a lot of the same things I did. And in college, it was even easier because there's nobody there. Um, And my four college roommates, I still talk to. And they're still some of my greatest friends as well. And they, you know, one of them was very close to me. And she saw the signs. And she oddly was studying psychology and, you know, would talk to me and, you know, try and help me. And it just, you know, I mean, I even started therapy my senior year of college just to try and get rid of some of the anger. Um, but again, it was like a group therapy thing and I, mm -mm, nope, nope, wasn't, that wasn't happening. So I would sit and listen, but I'm like, "Mm -mm, nope, nope, nope. So, um, but yeah, so three and a half years later, I graduated with this degree and went to work for a year. Um, I worked (coughs) running a chat, the kids program at the Y. So, because I was staying in Delaware, because, so, 
the summer before my senior year, um, basically all through college, there were guys in and out. It wasn't, you know, I think maybe my longest relationship was a month, a month and a half. And he actually lived in Maryland. <laughs> like we, we yeah. met and did stuff over Christmas and then Valentine's, you know, it wasn't, right. yeah wasn't anything serious and then after valentine's day he was like yeah this isn't no nope. i'm like okay bye it's not working <laughs> goodbye uh, <laughs> kind of thing so it was a lot of that that same kind of thing and i wouldn't let anybody get close enough or i would get too close and then push away mm-hmm. um because i wasn't ready for any sort of commitment like that um and then right before the summer before my senior year i had a um friend I guess you can call him. I don't know. Uh, it was a boy. He was, but we would conveniently hook up when we were both bored and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, at the end of July, I had to um, sit him down and explain to him that we weren't as protected as we thought we were and that um, I was pregnant and I did not want a baby because I was 20. And, and this was not going to You said to the happen. summer before your senior year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So right before I turned 21. Yeah. And I told him I had made the decision and. You know, he, he, I, I did ask if he was okay with it. And I think he was just dumbfounded at the right. time. And so um, I, I terminated my pregnancy, um, which, again, is something that as a Catholic, the guilt alone, you know, is still something I have to remind myself that, nope, it's it, it's done. There's nothing you can do about it um, kind of thing. But um, it was the right decision for me at the time. Mm-hmm. I was 20. If I had gone home and told my parents this, I would be married to that man mm-hmm. and miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with him. Like it, it just wasn't, um, so it was one of those that I, I made that decision and, you know, kind of went on with my life again. I turned 21 and so now I could legally drink. Oh Lord Jesus. Did you have friends? Mm-hmm. Did you confide in your friends? Yes. My about friends. Those things? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. My friends knew and my friends were with me, um, to support me with that as well. And, and they did support me. Like it wasn't even a question of, it was Okay. You know, and they went with me, and, right. and so did he. I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't alone to do any of that. Um, so, you know, it was one of those that this was the decision, and, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to stand by it and that kind of stuff. So, um, and then at the end of that, I turned 21. First day of senior year, I turned 21, hungover as hell, but I made it to all my classes. Um, <laughs> it was a bet. I had a bet with one of my other guy friends. He's like, you're never, because I was so shitty drunk the night before, because I turned 21. Right. He's like, you're never going to make it to your classes tomorrow. Because I stupidly had an 8 a.m. class. But it was a Tuesday, Thursday class. So my match was right. I'm like, I'll be fine. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, okay, we'll see. Hung over as hell. Pretty sure I puked in the bathroom a couple times in between classes. But I made it. So I won the yeah. bet. Won the bet. That's all. Always. Um, That's what matters. And then I was working at uh, the Y close to school. And um, that is when I became friends with a young man named Brian. Hold that thought for a second. So you graduated. Not to- yet. Not, no, but you in three and a half years. Uh huh. Okay, never mind. I figured it out. Go ahead. Okay. Math. Got math. Go You're good. Go ahead. So Delaware had winter and summer sessions. Yeah. Got it. Thank yeah. you. So okay. I would do winter session where you could get yeah, six yeah. extra credits. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I went in a whole semester ahead, like my AP classes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I just yeah. needed help. Thank you. Okay. Patrick Cox does get a little of it from me. Whatever. Um. So yeah. So um. Right after, yeah, my birthday, we uh, that September, I met Brian. And we were just friends. He worked at the same place I worked at. And he was in a frat that had a lot of the same friends I had and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, Brian's in a frat. I know. Isn't that crazy? Brian Cox was in a fraternity. Mm-hmm. Can I have the name of it, please? Lambda Chi Alpha. Okay, just keep going. 
this is shocking. Did you not believe her? You needed the name. Yeah, I'm going to Google it. Go ahead. Um, And I was not a sorority girl. So (laughs) by any stretch of the imaginations, although one of my roommates was, and God love her, she she was my first roommate, and we were polar opposites. She was a cheerleader. She, yeah, it was just, but we're still very good friends, and I love her to death. But, um, yeah, so we met, and we were just friends. You know, we hung out. We knew the same people. We'd see each other at tailgates and that kind of stuff. It was never a, you know, um, actually I saw him at the homecoming tailgate, and he called me by the wrong name. And I'm like, whatever, dude. <laughs> I love yeah, that. what did he call you? Erica. Erica. That's hey, right. Erica. <laughs> that's exactly. He's like, hey, Erica. I'm like, Aaron. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. So, yeah. So, um, you know, he just became a friend that I could talk to. And which was really neat, too, because I could talk to him about the things that had happened without a whole lot of judgment because he didn't know me. And there was nothing involved in it. You know, there was no... So he didn't care. He's like, mm-hmm. whatever. Guy's a douche. You know, I mean, those were his answers. He's like, whatever um, kind of thing. And he would talk to me about stuff. Like he had a crush on his tutor, but she had a boyfriend and they were very serious. And I'm like, it's not happening. It's not happening. She's got, have you met her boyfriend? He's hot. <laughs> oh my God. He was very hot. And he's a basketball player. So yeah. Oh yeah. Um, anyway, so he was like, whatever. So she actually set us up. Um, we finally, and I graduated and the family came up for my graduation in December. And, uh, you know, I had decided I was staying in Delaware in my apartment. And, yeah, that January, Brian and I started dating. So, you know, in reality, when people ask me about my love life, I didn't have one. I mean, there were guys that came and went, but there weren't any that I was like, oh, my God, he's the one, you know. Yeah. Um, no big heartbreaks. No, I mean, I had some that I bonded with better than others, but it was probably just because of our sense of humor and things like that. Right. Um, but not, mm-mm. I don't really think I talked to any, you know, none of them are still a part of my life in that respect. Um, and so then, yeah, uh, in January we started dating. We went out on our first date. So where was it? Well, we were going to go play. <laughs> it wasn't fancy like that. <laughs> and it was Bennigan's by the way. I hate Bennigan's. <laughs> we did not go to Bennigan's, but that's what was in Delaware. Bennigan's, not Applebee's. Oh, um, sorry. I hate them. Go ahead. But I did take him to Bennigan's for his birthday. And did they sing? Because I didn't tell him. I had PTSD <laughs> from that. Keep going. Um, so we were uh, going to go play pool, but the pool hall was really super crowded. And I was oh, like, oh, yeah. no, 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 no. Like, this is. So we went back to my apartment and watched The Fox and the Hound. Yes. Oh, my God. How wholesome. Yep. Very wholesome. <laughs> Sure it is. I'm just going to say it was wholesome. Keep going. If you want to know how the night ended, it's not that wholesome. <laughs> the original <laughs> the original Netflix and chill. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Okay. So, and again, it was one of those that <coughs> we knew we worked together. We knew. So it was kind of like, okay, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out was my philosophy. His was very much, no, no, no. We're not doing this if there's not. Right. No. And so I was like, okay, fine. You know, and, and played along. Um and yeah, I mean, probably like a month and a half after he, his birthday's in February, which was hilarious. He got shit face drunk and is like puking out my car, telling me he loves me. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, okay. But then two weekends later, he introduced me to his best friends and uh, I was like, uh-oh, he's serious. Like he's, because we went to see them because they didn't go to Delaware and they were friends of his from the beach patrol. And, you know, I was like, uh-oh, this, like he's in inter- wait, what? What? Friends are entering the picture. Right. Uh-oh. Like real friends, not mm-hmm. frat brothers. I'm like, okay. Uh, okay. Um, and so, you know, we, we dated. And there were times when I would push him away and, and try and get rid of him. And he would just, 
not, nope, we're not doing that. Nope, we're not doing that. Um, you know, you're going to sit and talk to me and we're going to figure this out. So it was probably pretty early on that I told him he had already known about the um, pregnancy, but about the other, um, the abuse, you know, just because it was something that, you know, one, I kind of threw it at him like it was something that would make him leave, mm-hmm. um, which, of course, he did not. He's like, OK. And, you know, so of course yeah. I'm like, why are you still here um, trying to get rid of him? But but not really. It was, again, a defense mechanism because mm-hmm. people who I love and trust can hurt me. And so, you know, why am I going to let anybody love me or trust me and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And I was. I beat myself up a lot, too, through college. I mean, I would do those dumb things, like go sleep with guys and get drunk. And then the next day I'd be like, oh, my God, why am I so stupid? Like, why do I do this to myself? You know, and and that Catholic guilt would just eat at me, you know, and I'd be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So that constant cycle in your brain is is not good for you. Um, So he really did kind of help ease that you know he's like I'm not going anywhere you know we we have a relationship this is what you do in a relationship um and in all honesty and I he knows this too I have never told a man I loved him other than Brian Cox so you know other than my family right um but in a romantic way like that because Mm -hmm. to me that it's an extremely powerful phrase um that if you don't mean it don't say it right now I tell my friends all the time I love them because I do love my friends um very much and that was um one of the things as I kind of got older and grew into an understanding of what had happened to me and why it had happened or where, you know, that love wasn't that as a kid, I was full of love. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I just wanted to give everybody love. I, right. I mean, I, I loved the underdog. I loved all of it. I loved everybody. You could be a total jerk to me. And I still was like, I love you. Um, and of course that a lot of that went away. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my mom used to always be like, why, why do you think, why do you always see this in people like people they're not there's not always good in everybody and I I could see it um kind of thing and so that's I remember I told you guys my mom used to call me a dingbat we had a huge fight one day about it and she said something about me being a dingbat and my association with it was she thought I was stupid Mm -hmm. and so I told her that I said I don't understand why you think calling me (laughs) stupid is okay and she was like like the look on her face of you know just the the horror of what right. I had internalized that to mean by that point. And this is after things had happened to me. Mm-hmm. So she, I mean, and she never called me again. She's like, I, I don't think you're stupid at all. I, you know, I, 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 that was never my intention. Um, kind of thing. So that, you know, and that was the other thing too with Brian and I, as we started dating my, the relationship with my mom was kind of getting better because mm-hmm. I was away. So I didn't have to see her all the time. Um, I would call her and that kind of thing and we'd talk at her and my dad again I was closer to my dad my dad would send me cards that, oh, that was back in you know the 80s and 90s right. you still got mail got right. mail um, and my dad would send me funny cards and things like that and just with little notes in them and uh, my mom every once in a while would send a care package but not really because I wasn't that far away mm-hmm. kind of thing but um, yeah we didn't talk a whole lot other than our weekly hey how are things going how's classes going how, you know and it was always great Everything was great. Mom, it's great. Everything's great. You know, um, kind of thing. And then, so, let's see. Brian and I have been dating for a year and a half. Two, yeah, almost two. Yeah, it was a year and a half. And um, one of my roommates was getting married. And she got married in Philadelphia. And so we had come home that weekend from the wedding. Had a great time. And um, I had 
like eight messages from my different siblings and my mom. And I'm like, what? I'm like, okay. I w- it was a weekend. Yeah. Like a, fr- a Thursday like, to Sunday. Like on your answer yeah. machine messages? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. On the okay. answer machine. Okay. Yeah. I was like, what kind of. <laughs> when you're wondering what kind. Like I knew beeper. we needed to clarify this. No, for not on my beeper. Okay. Um, and they were like, you need to call mom. You need to talk to, your, talk to mom. You need to call mom. And so I did. I called my mom. And at that point, that's when my mom told me that she had been diagnosed with um, melanoma cancer. So, and she was in stage four, um, and there was not yeah. a whole lot. There's that, not. Yeah. So that they were going to try and put a catheter in and, and start chemo and things like that. And that was September when my mom told me that. So it then became every weekend I was going home to be with her or to see and help my dad and those kind of things. And so when she did have the surgery um, to, to put the catheter in, she did not come out. She was still in a coma when she came out of it. Um, it didn't, you know, that she just couldn't handle it. And so at that point, the decision was made that we would bring her home so that she could, um, you know, rat, pass away in her, right. in her home. Um, and that was a matter of, I was told in the beginning of September and by Thanksgiving, my mom had passed away. Wow. Um, and then, so one of the things with that How old is, were you at this point? I was 20, I just turned 23. Um, and then, so we would go home every weekend and that Friday I'd gone home and we'd already moved her from the hospital to, um, our house and Brian dropped me off cause he was going back to Delaware to do some work. And then he was coming, um, on Sunday cause we were getting ready for Thanksgiving. And, um, so that Friday she was, you know, we would take turns what being in the room mm-hmm. with her and those kind of things. And so, um, yep. At about eleven twenty six, Yeah. She took her last breath and if you've. So being there was probably something I had never, I would never wish on anyone to watch someone you love take their last breath, Mm -hmm. to watch them. Mm -hmm. I mean, she wasn't conscious. She didn't, she was on a morphine drip at that time. So it wasn't like we, you know, she was, but I was. And so to watch and listen to the last breath and feel it and know Mm -hmm. that that was it. Um, Brian and I have talked because obviously he's experienced it in the ER and, and, things like that that's a trauma that people don't really realize is a hidden trauma um and I didn't either like I didn't know it at the time I was like okay you know and but then having to go wake up my dad and my sister and say hey I'm pretty sure she's gone now and you know having to you know go through all that is it it just is it's not something you'd wish on anyone to watch someone you love and as I said at the time my mom and I were rebuilding our relationship so again that was also a you know okay that's it I I don't my time's gone I don't have any time to make this better um so that you know was another thing that kind of you know how do you deal with that but the lesson from that was that time is you know time is precious and so yes you you tell people how you feel which was always something that I was scared to do Mm because you know Mm -hmm. of trust issues and things like that but that reminded me that being who I am was more important and so Again, going through that, how do I get rid of this fake facade that I've built up to then be who I am? And, and who am I? And you're 23. Right. Who, you know, you don't know who you are. You don't know what's happening. At that time, too, I'd already gone back to school for education. Um, and I actually did it because my mom suggested it. She's like, Aaron, you work with kids. You do summer camp. You do. She goes, it's clearly what you want to do. She's like, I know part of what you wanted to do. You thought you wanted to go into law school and stuff like that. You know, the, the money. She's like, and teaching doesn't have a lot of money. She goes, but sometimes you just do what you got, what you're called to do. 
Um, and I was like, okay. And I did. I mean, I went and I blew through my education classes. They were easy. Yeah. Like to, yeah. I mean, they were, I did, they were no brainers. I was like, what? I mean, eighth grade math and people were struggling. I'm like, what? I'm like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> you know, God love them. Um, but one of my favorite classes at Delaware was you had to take several child psych classes mm-hmm. because of the importance of psychology and yeah. teaching children. And so those classes really kind of helped me see a lot of how my younger years and things like that affected the choices I was making as an adult Mm -hmm. and what I needed to do to kind of get myself on a track that I was happy with. So, I mean, and that's a battle I've faced my whole adult life. I mean, I have, you know, I have stretches of time where I'm not and I fall back into patterns and and behaviors that, you know, I'm like, and I see it and you know it and you're like, how do you pull yourself out of it Um, over and over again? So, you know, and, and even just recently, I had a bout with it probably about three years ago mm-hmm. um, of just, you know, I was very selfish, very into myself <laughs> and just, um, and I don't know what brings it on. You know, I just have to be aware of it and that kind of thing. And so then again, I found, um, you know, ways to help myself and running was a huge one um, and building a running, just being able to run is a good way for me to get it all out. Um, I can get away from things, but I can also get in my own head, which was a very, very big thing I did not want to do because you yeah. don't want to confront anything that's in there. You don't want to be, tough. yeah, you don't want to have to admit it was you, you know, you don't want to have to admit all the things. And then when you do, you have to learn to stop beating yourself up about it that, okay, yes, you made that mistake or you made that choice. And even that wording, you made that choice. It wasn't a mistake. It was a choice. You made it. So this is what you do with it. And what did you learn from it? And how do you grow from it? And how do you become more? of who you want to be. Um, and so running gives me a lot of time to do that, mm-hmm. but in a good way. Cause I'm also then getting rid of, cause I still have a temper. Um, I've learned to control it better, but I still, I know it's still there. Um, and so that gives me a chance to kind of burn off some of that too, which is good. And then of course, um, the women in brewing was a big, um, thing that Brian sat with me and we talked about and being able to give women a voice that there are, you know, I share all of this not because I want anyone to be like, oh, wow, I don't care. Um, right. and, I, and my real friends know that, that I don't really care a whole lot about um, what others think of me. But that it there's there's good things out there. There's even in those bad things, there's good that comes out of them if you're willing to look for it. Um, and for the longest time, I didn't want to look for it. It was easier just to wallow because um, you got to dig. and <laughs> You really yeah. got to look for it sometimes. And so being able to do that really helped me change my mindset. And so probably in the last, yeah, two and a half years, I'm, I'm very different than who I've ever been. And um, I'm okay with that. Like, I, mm-hmm. I like her. She um, embodies a lot of what I was when I was little, um, that free kind of goofy girl. But also, you know, she embodies that, that, um, I mean, my friends know I am very much an attention-seeking, <laughs> um, you know, but that comes from, that the other side of that little girl who yeah. got hurt and so that attention seeking that overthinking learning to calm mm-hmm. that voice and go no just because they didn't it's okay um right. you know so and learning to talk to my friends about hey the best way you can help me now is to over communicate like tell me more than i need to know so my mind doesn't go wandering on right. what i don't I you know what isn't yeah. real um yeah and that kind of thing so really grasping with the difference between reality and fake Mm-hmm. has been a huge journey yeah. of mine so i don't know <laughs> all right so we're at how old are you 20 23 uh-huh so yes. it's 23 yes 
How, how about your um your your dad after your mom passed away was so he I guess the whole family dynamic probably yeah changes. shifted and I still had a sister at home and a sister who was a senior oh and so yeah okay so my dad um you know was kind of left in charge and didn't really know how to do a lot of things he didn't know how to balance a checkbook he didn't know how to because those were things my mom did and in a military family the woman usually is the one who knows how to do that because of the the potential he's gone right um and so teaching him how to do all those things and working with him on you know that kind of stuff and um you know it changed him too my dad's a really kind of happy jovial guy but he you know he's also had his share of of things too and so you've seen that change him over time so to kind of get him back into and my mom was only 56 my dad was 58 I mean we're not talking like yeah um you know in their 90s so yeah to get him back you know we we eventually a year later sold the house because of course we had a humongous house that he no longer needed um cleaned it up sold the house and he went into a you know a gated community where a bunch of his friends were living and rented a place and then he he met someone new shortly thereafter and you know so he started a whole new life again which was great which mm-hmm. included all of us and so you know he d- he did what he could you know yeah. i don't you know when you've had a woman who took care of you for 30 years right <laughs> yeah you know and when you went from your mom to this woman to, you know and so um but yeah, so it was an interesting evolution to watch too, to kind of learn from mm-hmm. how he, you know, had to kind of change his mindset and that, hey, just because beans are 10 for a dollar doesn't mean you have to buy 10 cans of beans there, big guy. Um, <laughs> you know, oh, commissary God. kind of thing. Well, because, you know, we went to the commissary. Right. In the military families, you go to the commissary. Yes, that's yeah. his nickname is the colonel and we love him. Um, but yeah, so to watch that dynamic change and to watch, you know, how do you grieve for a woman that mm-hmm. you've been with for that long and had that that many experiences with and that kind of stuff so um and as I said he did he met someone else and and got remarried and had a relationship with her um for 16 years and then Miss Pat were together and Miss Pat unfortunately passed away this summer as well so um so he's going through that again but again he's his it's interesting to watch because he keeps going Mm -hmm. you know so that that kind of role model of hey even though life has thrown you some crap some shit yeah you keep going you know Mm -hmm. there are people there that still love you and want you around and so you keep going so yeah yeah so yep 23 and then you know brian and i dated i was working on my degree for education which i finished at 25 was it another it was a master's in education no this was just about another bachelor's because you had to get your bachelor's first at delaware Um, so um this is a bachelor's of science in education. My other ones were bachelor's of arts. So if that makes a difference. Um, Nerd. I know. And so he was finishing up his degree as well. And he was um, a paramedic. His degree was in biology. And so he was finishing it up and being a paramedic. And I was, um, fin- you know, I finished my student teaching. And the school I student taught at in Maryland offered me a job. And I said, nope, I'm out of here. And um, I told Brian, I said, I'm moving to South Carolina. He's like, what? I said, I... I it's time I need to move Did far you just enough away throw a dart mm. no I had a my, my two sisters went to the college of Charleston and I had a brother down here and we had come to visit and I just loved it and I loved the weather and snow and I just don't I'd had enough of snow I really had <laughs> reach it yeah I mean the winter before we moved the winter of 96 was awful like ice snow it was I mean we were like 
we were living in a townhouse at the time with two of my friends and their boyfriends. And um, we were snowed in for like three days. I mean, it was a lot of fun, but yeah. Yeah. No. You don't want to live like that no, for no. a long time. No. <coughs> no. No. So, yeah. Hmm. So I, yeah, we had gone, come down for my one brother's graduation because it was been big fanfare. Um, and uh, yeah, I say that bitterly because it was big fanfare. He finally graduated two years older than me, two years after the movie, mm-hmm. but whatever. <laughs> big fanfare. Mm-hmm. So we all came down to Charleston. Woo-hoo! It was a yeah, huge party, that kind of thing. And I just fell in love with it down here. And, and Brian actually came with me. And um, when I told him, he goes, okay. And I was like, you're not obligated to come with me. You're not. Da, da, da. He goes, why wouldn't I come with you? Right. And I'm like, well, you know, you don't have to, you know. And he's like, we've been together long enough. I, I'm coming. I'm like, okay. And he actually got a job first as a paramedic for Dorchester County. And I got my teaching job. And so he, we moved down in June. And um, actually, I didn't get offered an actual teaching position until school had already started. Because they were still trying to figure out where to put people. And Go so, figure, yeah. Rochester County. And so 20 years it later, it's <laughs> still doing exactly. the same thing. Out where to put thing. So, yeah, thing. three days into the school year, I started. What year was that? 98. 98. Yep, okay. 98. Three days into the school year, I started my what first grade? teaching. Fifth grade. So I did fifth grade for 20 years before I moved to middle mm-hmm. school. Sixth grade. I'll just keep my comments to myself. Okay. Keep going. People can do the math. <laughs> figure out how old I am now. Um, so, yeah, and then December of that year... And actually, that fall had been really rough on Brian and I because Brian had been working a lot, trying to save money. And I not only taught, but I waitressed. So we didn't see each you other didn't a see lot. Each other. Yeah. And it's hard to make you know, that work. Unfortunately, I wasn't making friends with my teacher friends. I was making friends with the people I waitressed with. And those people, if you've worked food and bev, it's not a good. It, it's not. Influence. Again, it's partying and mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of reverting back to things that I shouldn't have been doing. And so it caused tension between the two of us. And, you know, to the point that I really thought we were going to break up and Christmas Eve, he proposed. I'm like, oh, okay, is this really what we should be doing right now? And he's like, Aaron, I, I came down here to be with you. I understand we're having a hard time and things aren't, you know, he goes, but this is, yeah, yeah, this is what we should be doing. And so I agreed to marry him. I mean, it was, of course, again, another dopey moment of mine. I had been waitressing and I walked in. It was like midnight and I was leaving the next morning to go back to Maryland and he was going to meet me up there because he still had shifts to work and he was going to fly up. And so there were roses on the table. There was champagne. There was, and I'm like, and he's sitting on the couch. I'm like, why are you still up? You got to work in the morning. Like didn't notice any of that stuff. Didn't notice. I mean, and I had to, had to walk past it to see him on the couch. (laughs) And I'm like, Hun, why are you up? Because again, we were trying to stay up and be with each other right. and those kind of things. So I thought it was one of those. And I'm like, okay, you have to worry. Like, I also understand as much as a, an attention brat that I am, that you also need, you know, your sleep and those kind of things. And he's like, and he was, he was dressed like he wasn't in pajamas. Right. Oh. But I'm like, and I, here I am in my smelly waitressy, you know, cause waitressing, you get food, drinks all over you. Um, and he's like, just sit down on the couch. And I'm like, okay, I really need to shower. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so gross. I need to shower. He's like, please just sit on the couch. And I did. And he got down on one knee and he had, and I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. You know, so, um, but he wanted me to have it for Christmas so that when we went home for Christmas, we could tell everybody. How sweet. <coughs> what a thoughtful guy. He is. And so two years we spent planning our wedding because I was very adamant that it would be our wedding. 
and that we would pay for everything so that wow. nobody would be able to yeah. say anything about how we did anything. And then, you know, so we, it was okay. Well, we got to have a party. Well, we got to get married in a church for my dad. We got this, we got, and so it became not the things we ideally would have wanted. It became, again, us doing things for other people because that's how both of us are. And so mm-hmm. we did that. But then our honeymoon was. I feel like when you're young, though, that's yeah, kind of typical. Well, and that's, yeah, it's, you know, and everybody, well, don't you want the big, don't you want your family right. there? And I'm like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Right. You know, don't you want the big party? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Uh, don't you want the big fluffy white dress? Yeah, okay, I guess. Meanwhile, at my reception, somebody spilled red wine on it, and they were like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's not like I'm going to go in the closet next week and be like, hey, let me wear this fluffy white dress somewhere. You should. <laughs> that was literally my comment. Mm-hmm. Um, and my aunt loved it. She's like, oh, my God, you're hilarious. I'm like, I'm never wearing this again. Like, right. If you have a daughter, I was like, there's no, no, there will be no daughters ever, ever. No, I knew. Oh, never, ever. Carrie, don't make that face of me. <laughs> There was never a daughter in my future. Um, So, yeah. So, you know, we got married and we bought a house a year later that we still live in right now. Where'd you go on your honeymoon? We went to St. Lucia, a sandals resort. Biggest bum vacation we've ever had other than our one recently to Cancun. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And that kind of made up for the fact that we did all these things for everybody else and that kind of stuff. So, Yep, life went on, and I kept waitressing and kept working, and he did too. I mean, we always and and I was that teacher who did everything. Yeah, I can tutor. Yeah, I can do this. Yeah, right. I can do this. Yeah, I can do this. You know, and again, it it started to take its toll on the mm-hmm. two of us, and you know, because we weren't spending time together, and oh, we've got time, we've got time, and so those lessons about time had to come back into play and things like that. And then you know, five years in, we decided either we're having a kid or we're not. And so, again, that was... not getting any younger. Right. We're not getting any younger. 31 years old. Um, And, again, that was not as easy as we thought it would be. Um, It it took us a couple months of practicing. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Trying. Oh, God. I hate hate the term trying. No, I hate the term trying. (laughs) Why? You're just boning all the time. That's what that means. Okay, but, again, then, that's not fun. Like, that kind of takes the, you know, the romance is out of it because now it's work. It, right you know and I would see that on his face and it, you know it's work and you're like this isn't this isn't what this is supposed to be um but in the new year that new year I got to tell him and you know I woke up one morning took a pregnancy test and it was positive and I said we're pregnant and he goes not until you go to the doctor <laughs> I'm like because him in the medical field he's like Aaron some <laughs> right. of them are fake positive right. some of her he's like we'll set up a doctor's appointment and I'm like He's always very practical yes, like he that. Yes, very much that. I love that. <laughs> and, I, and of course, I was like, what? And he's like, no, 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 that's great, hon. He's like, but we, we got to confirm. Go to the doctor. He's like, we got to confirm. So, of course, we went to the doctor um, a couple weeks later, and they did the ultrasound on my belly. And they're like, oh, um, oh. Um, so they had to do a um, vaginal Internal. ultrasound to make yeah. sure that they could hear the heartbeat. To make that face. So luckily things were good and and everything, you know, and I actually enjoyed being pregnant. I'm one of those women who I didn't have a problem with my pregnancy. Now I might if I had another one Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, I had I had morning sickness my whole first trimester all day. It wasn't a. Yeah, it wasn't morning. It was all day. I was sick all the time. Um, I luckily at the time was teaching at a trailer. So again, the kids would be like, I'm like. "Mm." (laughs) Mm. So, yeah, it was good stuff. Um. And then, yeah, 
nine months later well and then we went to the ultrasound this again another dopey Aaron story love it but of course my husband is a medical person so he knows we're doing the ultrasound to find gender you know do you want to know the gender yes we want to know the gender okay and, you know and then the uh, tech was like hey make sure you drink some Mountain Dew before because it makes wakes the, them up wakes them up right. they're more active more opt to spread spread eagle and um, you can see everything I'm like okay so if you've ever seen the episode where Rachel finds out about her baby and it's like, I can't see it. That was oh, me. Yeah. Oh, that was me. Oh my God. Yeah. It was hilarious. Like Brian, like Brian knew right away. Brian's like, and I'm like, is it a boy? Is it the, it's a boy. Yeah. Just because the look on his face, you know? And he's like, yeah, it's a boy. And I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> I can't see <laughs> oh, it. Uh, and he's like, Aaron, look, there's two legs and not a leg. And I'm like, no where is it so the tech literally printed the picture and on the picture it says leg leg not a leg <laughs> it says not a leg so that's great we have it saved so yes he's like yeah so and we knew um that we were gonna name we we had some names for our boy we had literally no girl names which is you know again because it wasn't gonna be a girl roll. um we had a couple boy names that were shot down by my husband, because my sister told him that it would be Seamus instead of Seamus, and I was very upset. Um, yeah, that was my first pick. I, his name was Seamus, and my sister's like, they're going to call him Seamus. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yep. They would have. <laughs> so, yeah. They would have. Brian's like, and we're done. No, that name is off Seamus the table. Seamus Cox. Seamus Cox. Exactly. No. And that's what she said. No. She's like, really Are you putting this, to this together? <laughs> so, yeah, that was shot down. So I was like, how about Patrick after my mom? Because my mom was Patricia. Okay. And so, and then we knew his middle name would also be Brian because we, that's a family tradition on his side is you take the father's first name and make it the middle name. Okay. So we knew it was something Brian Cox. So Patrick Brian Cox. And it's Patrick, not Patty, not Pat, not Rick. I get to call him Patty. Yes. Carrie, but it's not Patty. You call him Patty Cakes. Patty Cakes. So, yes. I don't remember why that happened. Uh, it's, but it's also with, it's with Brayden too. Yeah, yeah. Brady patty cakes and, and Brady cakes. Patty cakes. That's <coughs> cute. Right, and it's when they were little. Little. They were little. Um. So yeah, but I have that debate quite often with people. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's Patrick. It's not Pat. I mean, it's, it's gonna be Pat. Rick now, but because I didn't even put that together. So, no, no, it's Rick Same. Cox. Rick. Cox. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky. Absolutely not. Uh. So yeah, so that is his. Uh, <laughs> that's where Patrick came in, and then Patrick. You know, it's interesting if you've had a child, you kind of already know this or maybe not. I don't know. But for me, knowing that someone could love me with all of who I am was not something I could accept. Like even I I still have a hard time even accepting that Brian loves me with all of who I am. But Patrick taught me that that was possible because he did. Yeah. Um, And still does, which is amazing. So, um, you know, the, so that kind of him being born started my deeper exploration as to me loving myself more and knowing that it was okay to love all of who I am, um, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in between, the goofy, all of it, and to really begin to accept who I was as a person and who I wanted to be. Um, and of course I wanted to be somebody strong for him. Because mm-hmm. I wanted him to have a strong woman role model in his life, um, which he, he tells me all the time. He, I know. I gotcha. Um, <laughs> I got it. But um, so that notion that love could be unconditional. And 
don't get me wrong. My parents loved me and I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that. But the flip side of seeing it um, from somebody who didn't know you and doesn't. And he has slowly been told a lot of these stories as well because I want him to have a understanding of people and life and things like that. And every time I tell him one, he doesn't. He's like, oh, okay. And it's, there's no flinch. There's no, oh my God, I can't, I can't know you. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you kind of thing. And so that has really taught me how to love me, um, which is huge. I mean, we see that in life all the time that a lot of people don't love themselves. And so when people, you know, ask me about our relationship, him and I, that that's probably the biggest thing I get is that unconditional true love that's just pure and Un, yeah, you know it, um, and that that still exists, and so that has helped me as I've gotten older to reconnect with the little girl in me who felt that with people, um, and to be able to continue to feel that with people who come into my life. I am not a people person anymore. Um, I was when I was little, and that always goes back to trust and things like that. And I know it, and I acknowledge it, but being able to let people in has gotten easier over the course of the last couple years as Patrick's gotten older and those kind of things. So being able to let people know that I have a lot of love and I don't mind giving it, you know, that there, and this is always the big thing too with people is I have a lot of love and I don't mind giving it and I don't have an expectation that you're going to return it. Um, it, You don't have to. So, and I think teaching has done that a lot too. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't expect anything from you and I don't, you know, other than honesty because that's just a pet peeve of mine. Right. Um, and that, again, stems from just my whole life, mm-hmm. you know, that had honesty been valued the way it really was, then maybe some things would have been different. But I'm okay with them not being different because I am who I am. Um, and all of those things have created who I am. And when I see myself now, I see a strong, independent woman who's not afraid of what life has to give her. She's actually excited about new adventures and new things and she embraces that and that's not who I was for a long time so you know I don't know that's who I am now so I cuss I drink I make beer but I have a lot of you know yeah love and a lot of insight to give people if they want to hear it if not I can sit quietly too I love a great book and a great cup of coffee (laughs) (laughs) and the beach and the mountains so yeah, you're nodding over there. Yeah, deep in thought. <laughs> so, what's something that you think people tend to misunderstand about you? So, people tend to, and this I've I've heard it my whole life, and I get it. It's I am I am honest, and so it's either that I'm rude, um, I'm abrasive, I'm aggressive, and it's I'm just telling you what. You know, if and, and I've had people come and go, well, hey, I'm going to ask you because I know you're going to be honest. And then I give them the answer. And they're like, well, you. And I'm like, I didn't ask. And right. they're like, what? I'm like, I didn't ask you to tell me about me. I Trust me. I know. I've done enough. I am 100% fine. I know what my flaws are. I know what I'm working on. I know. I If there is anybody harder on Aaron Cox in the planet other than Aaron Cox, I don't know who it is. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't need you to tell me. <clears throat> you asked. Um so that, that people see that as abrasive and rude and, you know, and it's, I don't know how to beat around the bush about something. I don't, I mean, I know how to be polite to a right. point, 
um, with things, but I don't believe in fake. And so when that fake comes around, it to me, it, it's not kind. It's honesty is kind. Mm-hmm. And I know some people Even don't. Even if it's hard. Right. I'm not saying it's not hard, but it's kind. Um, you know, when you're not being honest with somebody, you're not being kind to them. You're you're giving them whatever it is they want to hear. And what what's the point of that? If you're their friend. I mean, now if it's just right. some random Joe and what I, I guess, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But my honesty only comes out if you ask. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't ask, I don't sit there. I don't go up to people and go, oh, my God, you need to work out. Oh, my God, you need to. Like, I don't say that to people. I just. You have a bad haircut. <laughs> yeah, I don't tell people that. <laughs> um, I don't. I'm not that way. Like, I actually am very kind of standoffish because of that. Because people misinterpret that, I tend to stay to myself. And, you know, and it's funny because I've also realized that people who respect it and are okay with it will gravitate towards me anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, people who don't, who say they want it, you know, yeah. cause there's lots of you. I, now I tell me, tell me, you're going to cry. <laughs> you're not really ready for this. You're not ready for this. Um, and then, like I said, it's always, you know, when they're not ready and they're like, well you, and I'm like, I didn't ask about me. I, I got journals full of me. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you came and asked, you came and sought me out. So I guess that's probably one of the things, and I don't do it to be mean. I, I do it to be kind. I think there's enough fake in this world. I mean, we see it all the time on social media. We see it on the TV. You see it everywhere. And so that fake is just so just exhausting. I I don't know how people do it. I really don't. Like, I would be exhausted just trying to do that. And so, hence why I don't do it. But, yeah. So I I would think that's probably what people find most unapproachable about me. Because once you get to know me, you're fine. Right. Or at least I think you are. I don't know. Erin also doesn't like people. <laughs> and there's, but not in a mean way, but people don't understand that. And it's hard for me because I work with her in multiple capacities. Right. And it's hard to explain that to someone. Yeah. Where maybe if they listen to this, honestly, it would mm-hmm. make more sense. But I'm like, Aaron doesn't. Aaron hires the people at the bar to talk to the people, right? And I and it, Aaron will talk to people, but again, it's exactly what she said. You ha- it takes a little bit of time to open up. Right. But I think that is also misunderstood. That like Aaron owns a bur- like. I mean, it's all three of you, and don't right. take that the wrong way. Like. Ben must love people. And I was like, I literally almost didn't work here because Ben of Ben Mickey's actual no. face. Right. Um, but it's the same thing with it. And it's okay. Right. Right. Yeah. I, she right. needs the it's two people-y shirt. It, right. Right. I it's two it's people-y, people-y outside. I mean, and I think part of that goes with the fakeness and the small talk. Right. Like, I don't do small talk. I don't understand it. That's why, I like, I hate parties when people are like, let's go. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you right. know, because I ha- if it's people I know, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. If we're sitting around the fire and I know everybody there, I'm fine. And you right. usually can't shut me well, up. That's not small talk. And that's not small talk. No. It's it's deeper. It's more meaningful. <clears throat> um, and I just don't, I don't see it. Like, I don't, I'm like, okay, great. Okay. And again, it's probably because a lot of it's fake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, they're making small talk and they're wanting it to look good. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care what you look like. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really don't. Um, and I, I think that's the other thing, too, is I, I truly don't 
care what people physically look like. I don't care. Yeah. I care what kind of person you are. Are you a person who's trying to make yourself better? Are you a person who's trying to make the world better? Are you a person right. who really is genuine and authentic and you're trying to figure all of this out? Or are you bullshitting everybody? And I guess that's probably why I have a very high bullshit detector. And so <laughs> as I should, I mean, you know, when you look back on some of the things I've been through, there's a reason why, right. you know, mm-hmm. trust is, you know, I'm like, mm, mm. and so I know how to ask questions and then people get pissed when I ask the questions that their fake now has to reveal. Well, that wasn't quite how it that wasn't quite. it, Right. So I've learned to stop doing mm-hmm. that because I know yeah. that makes people uncomfortable. Um, but I used to do that for a long time because I, I would just it just irked me so much. And I've learned that, OK, if I'm just quiet, I don't have to do that. But you'll see me walk away. Like you'll see me as people start doing it, walk away. If you think I'm good at it, Brian is amazing at it. Mm-hmm. It takes he Brian is. maybe two minutes. And he's like, and the bullshit detector's off. And see you later. Have a great day. And he just yeah. walks away. Yeah. So I love that. But yeah. Him. What it is a nice quality. What daily habit keeps you moving forward? Oh, easy. Because it's running. A, it's a, <laughs> you know, it, that was yeah. a it is soft something to pitch, <laughs> carry. Right. I, know. Lewis. I know. So, but really, no. So that journey too started about two and a half years ago after I'd kind of had a stint with myself and mm-hmm. realized I needed to grow up again and that I was not the 16 year old in the house. And so I needed to be the mom and not party and do the things I was doing. Um, And COVID hit as well. So it was, okay, I've got time. Mm-hmm. And so... My daily routine is I get up at 4 a.m. and I go for by 4.30. I'm out the door for a five-mile run um, or a workout, a routine, that kind of thing. And then I get ready for school and, and you know, go about my day at school. And then I have brewery work. And right. so all of that keeps me moving. Um, and that was another big thing that really impacted me at that time, too, not just running. But um, with the brewery, we, we realized we needed when COVID hit, there was going to have to ha- be more happening. Um and I mean, I was pseudo teaching, I guess, from home at the time. And so I learned how to brew, you know, is what am I going to do with all this time? Yeah. So you you can only run so much when you're starting because you're still starting. I mean, when I started, I did not run five miles a day. When I started, I walk ran three, mm-hmm. you know, and built myself up and those kind of things and then started doing races and, and building it up, um, which had a tremendous impact on myself, myself, how I looked at myself, not just physically, you know, I mean, a lot of people, oh, you look great. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Right. It was more the inside that I can do this. I can conquer these things. And if I can conquer this, so that mental strength, emotional strength just was huge. And so then it came to brewing. You know, Brian, hey, I think we should start a women's club. Let's go. You can do this. And at first, nope. I, you know, and you can go back and listen to the podcast. Right. I got frustrated. I got pissed and the temper came out because <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do it and I should be able to do it. And so that whole process too just really – you know, is part of my daily routine now. I mean, when I look at myself two years ago when we started all of this to where we are now and when people want to sit and talk to me, I mean, it's just a yeah. totally different person. Yeah. Um, so, and then the same with running too. You know, there's always a new challenge that I set up for myself. We have one coming up next week. Um, hence why I picked Dopey, the Dopey Challenge. I'm doing it with my sisters in Orlando. We're going to run a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon, and a full marathon, four consecutive days. Yope is, is going to be down there. Is, we got outfits. Is that at Disney That's World a Disney, or right? did yeah. you set yeah. it up yourselves? No, it's, no, at, it's, it's at a Disney, Disney run. It's yeah. called the Dopey Challenge. Cool. Yeah. I get lots of bling. I'm really excited yeah. about it. Look at you. Because that's what you care about. Bling. <laughs> bling. 
Still lots wear, of bling. When I come back to school, I'm going to have all the medals. All the medals. Yeah, I don't know if everyone <laughs> could pick this out, but that's what Aaron Cox cares about. All of the, the bougie-ass bling. <laughs> but we do have outfits. I'm very excited about our outfits. So, um, But you also journal. I do, yeah. So every journaling. day, would you say? Every other day, at least. Um, if not, every day. And so one of the big things I did during COVID, too, was I wrote my story. So I, I journaled it, my whole story from beginning to where I am now. Yeah. Um, and so I still kind of add to it. And then I have a different journal that's more my emotional, you know, when I'm feeling like a train wreck or things are right. just not going the way I want or I'm not getting the responses I want. And, and really kind of delving into I don't control what other people do. That's on them. And that's a reflection of them. All I can control is how I react and take a deep breath. And this has nothing to do with me. This is them, not me. Yeah. Um, and I write that a lot in my journal. This is them, not me. This is their reaction to whatever, not yours. You, you know, you did this and that there was nothing wrong with that. And there were times too when you did this and that wasn't, you, you need to go fix it. Um, and going and apologizing and, you know, sucking up my pride um, and putting my ego to the side, which is, again, something I think some people, you just kind of learn it at some point. I don't, you know, for everybody, it's a different time in their life yeah. and that kind of thing that your ego really isn't helping you. It's, you know, there are times when it helps you, like when you're running and it's pushing, you know, those kind of things. But right. in your relationships, your ego maybe isn't the best, you know, thing to help. So, yeah. Um, yeah so I journal a lot, brewing, running, hanging out with my friends. I do that sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes when I feel like it. Reading. I still love to read. You still like, read. I still a read lot. tons of great books. Um, so that's always a good. But a lot of my reading now isn't the same reading it used to be. I used to read to escape. So a lot of fiction. Mm-hmm. Now my yeah, reading is more, that change yeah, in your my reading books. is a lot of nonfiction. <clears throat> so, you know, about how to grow the business or biographies about other people and things like that. So get some inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. What's the best book you've read recently? Um, so I Spitfire, got. Spitfire, coming back around. So I got three for Christmas that I asked for. One was Jocko's new book called The Final Spin, which is actually fiction. So <laughs> oddly enough. But I, I'm sure there's messages in there. Um, ben gave me a book called The um, Accidental Footballer, which is uh, about uh, Pat Nevin, who is a Scottish footballer, and how he actually wanted to be a teacher. Hmm. That was his goal, not to be a professional footballer. And then um, Ben right gave me choice. An, Ben Sorry. gave me another one about I'm fucking America. <laughs> yeah. As always. Ooh. <coughs> well, I have a degree in political science, so I do get Those very fascinated are, yeah. by yeah. the change in... Is it called Unfucking America? Yeah. yeah. Love that. Yeah. I'll let you borrow it. Thank you. So I, I have all three going. So that's the other thing about me. I always have more than one book that going. Is, I can't do it. I, me Because either. I never know. So I read. that. That's part of my. So I am a very consistent person in my routine. Mm-hmm. I have found that that makes my life much, much happier for me and much easier. Um, and so one of my consistent routines is nine o'clock. Everything's turned off. My phone, everything. So my friends who all text me at 9 o'clock know their response is coming at 4 a.m. Right. Um, and they know that now, uh, even my principal. And um, so at from 9 to 9.30, I read. And, you know, read and journal. And then by 10 o'clock, I'm out. I'm just more impressed that you can read. I can't. I'm with Carrie. I have to finish a book. Oh, yeah. No, I, I can't. Do yeah, because it'll depend on what I'm in the mood for. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, what am I in the mood for? Am I in the mood for political stuff? Am I in the mood for mm-hmm. a biography? Am yeah. I in the mood for something that I can just kind of escape right now? Because it's been a really long day. And I mean, I still do use it for escaping. And, and then I also have to say, OK, is this a book I'm really going to get into? And at 
945 I'm going to be able to put down. Right. Because I have some books where I can't do that. And I know that. So that I uh, right. can't do that. That's a book I have to take to soccer practice. So, where, yeah. Patrick, where I'm sitting in the car. Right. So, yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Awesome. Lots of good things. That's me. So starting your year off in 2022, Ugh. we always pick a word. Amanda and I we are do. holding ours. We're going to save ours. <laughs> holding. Holding. So my word. However, what's your word? So my word for this year was fearless. And I was going to be fearless in the things that I did and, and figuring out who for I 2021, was. 2021, yeah. Yeah. And what I was going to be, um, you know, and so fearless. So my word for 2022 is really simple. It's real. Anything that is not real is no longer welcome in my life. Anything that is any relationship that is not real and honest and pure, I don't want anything to do with. Anything about me that isn't real anymore, I don't want anything to do with. Um, and, and just looking for the real in things and mm-hmm. what is it that this is really trying to teach me? What is what is the real as opposed to the fake? Um, I, I've outgrown the fake. Um, I don't – there's no appeal to it anymore. And right. so – looking for the real so real is my word very simply it's amanda's and carrie's hair colors true (laughs) my mine too but (laughs) but i meant i meant more on a i character character level level. i'm here for the comic relief that's what i'm here for that's the wheelhouse are you sure are you sure that's what you're bringing to the table no (laughs) no i'm not Uh, you know it is a coping mechanism sometimes every day i would know. i read a whole book <laughs> i read a whole chapter of a book about it anyway. a whole uh, chapter the whole chapter about humor and how it's a defense mechanism it is very much mm-hmm. so um but yes yeah Sorry, about character i got a whole list of people and things that you could just get rid of <laughs> if you right now if you want it if i want to walk away yeah. i will uh. so walking away so kind of you know like um who is it? The, the if you don't love it, get rid of it. What yeah. is the, Marie Kondo. Whatever does it bring you joy? joy? Does it bring you joy? Does it bring me real? Does it bring you joy? Does it bring me real? Throw it away. Throw it away. Or donate. Or donate. Throw or donate. It depends on the what it looks like. Yeah, I know. It's in. Yes. There you go. So is it real? Throw it away. Well, if it's real, we want to keep it. I'd like to apologize. That was incorrect. <laughs> if it's real, throw it away. <laughs> We're only about fake. That's my <laughs> word. Fake. Just, just no. Then you and kidding. I are just not going to be friends anymore. Twenty twenty two. We're all done. Whoop, whoop. Love it. So, all right. All right. That's it. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. It's quite a story. It, it is. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I guess it's a it's an it's a brave story to say out loud. Oh, thank you. It's true. It's true. And Can't it's hide real. From it. And it's real. And it's real. Yeah. So I've yeah. got lots of funnier stories, too, about me in Catholic school. I'm sure y'all would love to hear. That could be a whole, whole book. That could yeah, be a whole anecdotes. podcast uh, for hours. Exactly. Because I'm sure you've got a bunch, too. I Green. Nope. If my mom ever listens to this, I have absolutely not one. Thank you. No. That's it. All right. All right. Well, Happy New Year, Thank you, everybody. Happy New Year. Of course. Thank you, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You can see all about my run. Yes. Because I'll be posting about it because this oh, comes good. out Monday. Yes. I'll be posting Wednesday all about it. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.